Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, yes, guys, it is the first ever live episode of the podcast, episode 133, and I am so fired up to get started today. It is a live episode of the podcast, so for those of you listening to this on the recording, I had recorded this the previous day on ColorCast. You should go check out my link in my Twitter bio, at Calvin underscore SGF. Um, For those of you witnessing this, you're hearing it early, live on Sunday when this is being recorded. So it's live, and of course, for those of you listening to the recording, it was live yesterday or a few days ago or whenever you're listening to this. But basically, it is going to be a lot of fun today. We'll be recapping the NFL draft, which took place over the weekend, doing landing spot reactions, fantasy outlooks, all of that. It'll be a ton of fun, and we'll be having guests on if anybody joins this live stream, which I feel like some people will. We'll see what happens. It should be a lot of fun. We'll get them on the hot seat on here, hear their thoughts, hear the chats as well, and it'll be a ton of fun. So we'll get started. For anyone just joining on here, I ask that I don't usually mind language in my casts, but just try to keep it clean for the clean podcast label. That's what we're trying to maintain here. That's all. Other than that, should be a lot of fun. We can talk a lot of football today, and I'm really excited. So this will actually probably sound a little bit different than like a normal podcast. I'm running this kind of like a combination between just a regular live show and a podcast. And so it should be a lot of fun, though. So we've got about six quarterbacks. Um, How many running backs? Nine. <laughs> a lot of receivers, probably like 13, 14 receivers and one tight end to talk about today. I'll try to focus it on fantasy, give it a fantasy-oriented focus. There's around 30 players here. We'll give NFL thoughts as well. So, And we'll just have people on throughout, and it should be a lot of fun. But we will get started now. It's 3 o'clock when I'm recording this. It is live. Episode 133 of the podcast. We're doing it live. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go. And let's start talking quarterbacks. And for quarterbacks, the story of the draft, and we all know it, was that these quarterbacks were dropping like crazy. People expected maybe one quarterback in the top 10, maybe three or four quarterbacks in the first round. It did not happen at all. There was one quarterback in the top 20. It was Kenny Pickett to the Steelers, and then no other quarterbacks even went until pick 74 when you had Desmond Ritter going to the Falcons. But we'll start off with the only quarterback picked in the first round, Kenny Pickett for the Steelers. And by the way, guys, I'll probably be just be doing general reactions here on this show. If you want to hear my Dynasty rookie rankings, that episode should also be in your feed. So go check it out. And of course, follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF, at SGF pod for the podcast and all that. But let's get into Kenny Pickett. He was drafted at number 20. Pittsburgh, he went there in college. He's now back to Pittsburgh to play for the Steelers, hometown hero. And he's got some weapons there. He's got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, of course, from last season. A good RB and Najee Harris. And uh, their second-round drafted wide receiver in George Pickens as well. So Pickett will be set up to succeed. He's not a guaranteed prospect. He's got a pretty safe floor, but not a super high ceiling as well. And so I feel like for redraft leagues, he doesn't pose a ton of value next year, except in later rounds when you're looking to take a shot on a guy, because he can run a little, and we know how much those rushing yards help fantasy points. But I think the thing for Pickett 
is, I mean, I don't know if he has a ton of value in single QB dynasty leagues. He doesn't just have that upside to really be a true difference maker in single QB. In super flex, though, he's probably more of a mid-first round guy that you'll want to take a chance on because you always want to be able to get that second quarterback. I think Kenny Pickett will have a chance of being very serviceable in that regard. And he's got a lot of weapons over there as well. So he's got some upside in super flex. Take a look. I wouldn't take him over any of the superstars in this class. But other than that, he's probably in like that next tier, mid-first round kind of spot. And then for guys like Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis, who went to the Titans, third-round guys with a lot more rushing upside but no guarantees for the starting job. Ritter will certainly challenge Mariota to try to get it, and Malik Willis will probably sit at least at the start by Ryan, for, behind Ryan Tannehill. So those guys, I think, are probably late first, early second kind of guys in Superflex. Guys you don't really need to worry about in single quarterback dynasty leagues. But they've got that rushing upside. They've got that upside that can really take over a game and uh, take over a fantasy football matchup too because if you run for 90 yards and a touchdown, that's a lot of fantasy points right there. And that's what, what you want to look for. It's kind of game-breaking in a way. So for super flex, those are guys you can look to. But I feel like for both of them, their short-term upside is pretty limited because say Desmond Ritter even starts, there's not even very many weapons there for him to throw to. The Falcons did draft a receiver and they have Kyle Pitts. So they'll be, they'll be okay, but at the same time, a lot of this team just has a ton of holes. They don't have a good offensive line, and they might struggle to move the ball efficiently. Willis doesn't have many guys other than Traylon Burks, who was drafted at wide receiver for the Titans. But, I mean, it's still going to be... I, I think it's still going to be... Uh, it might be a struggle for him, again, to move the ball as well. He'll still have some rushing upside, though. But again, just not a ton of weapons. It'll be a Derrick Henry relied upon offense. If he plays, which I don't know if he will... Because, I mean, this is third-round draft capital, keep in mind. Those guys don't usually challenge for starting roles right away. If he plays, his upside still could be limited. But he's got a lot of talent and maybe the most upside out of any quarterback in this class. Other than that, at quarterbacks, Bailey Zapp went to the Patriots in the fourth round. Not much to worry about. That's probably just a weird Belichick move, getting a backup for Mac Jones. Sam Howell in the fifth to the Commanders has a little bit of value. Um, probably not going like, till like later in rookie drafts, even in super flex. But, I mean, he could sneak into the second round of Superflex rookie drafts because you've still got Carson Wentz there, but Wentz may not be around for long. He feels like more of a bridge quarterback. The Commanders have an out on his contract after a year, basically, without like losing cap space. And so we could see Sam Howell, who was projected to go a lot higher than this, maybe get a chance. But he's a fifth-round quarterback. He's not incredible at passing for a reason. I mean, that's why he dropped, but... We'll see. He might have a little bit of value. So the quarterbacks, again, it's a pretty weak quarterback class overall. But I feel like Pickett um, is definitely a guy you need in a super flex first round draft. Uh, Ritter and Willis sit at that one-two turn. Other than that, the rest of the guys are kind of just flyers. I guess Corral, who I didn't talk about much, might also have a chance to start and be in the second round of your super flex draft. But nothing to worry about much in one QB leagues outside of Kenny Pickett, probably. Although, we'll see. Over the summer, if it becomes like Ritter's having an impressive camp and is locked in to start, maybe that'll change things. But let's move on to RBs. And there are a few guys here who are interesting, and some guys who also dropped in this draft. And we'll start off with Brees Hall. So, Brees Hall, running back for the Jets, of course, taken in round two, pick 36 overall. And he's a very, very good running back. And he again, was the first one off the board for a reason. 
physical inside, but also got speed, good vision, good elusiveness. He's a very well-rounded back overall and can catch the ball to a decent extent. I think the Jets were looking to get a new RB because while Michael Carter played pretty well, he wasn't the future. He seemed more like a two-down back, and I think Brees Hall is a better pass catcher. So I do expect Brees Hall to really take the main workload for the Jets. He's a guy who should be at the top of rookie drafts because he's a very solid player with solid upside. I think he's going to fall in that RB2 range for fantasy football redraft next year. But yeah, should be at the top of rookie drafts um, for sure. Then next one, Kenneth Walker for the Seahawks. The Seahawks passed on a quarterback in the second round, which was very, very odd. They probably should have had one, especially since they had two picks. And instead, they decided to take a running back. This, I think, signals that they're not relying on Rashad Penny to take the huge amount of workload that he did in the last few games last year. I think Kenneth Walker becomes the starter, and I also think he has a lot of upside. He should be early to mid-first round in rookie drafts. I don't know if he has as much... I I, I mean, I feel like Pete Carroll's going to run run the ball a lot in Seattle. That's been his thing. He loves to run. I don't know if Kenneth Walker will get the bulk of the carries right away. He might, and but it also just might not be a very efficient offense over there. But I think Kenneth Walker's also got some upside, and a lot of people liked him more than Brees Hall, too. So if the Seahawks can give him the ball a lot, he might have an opportunity there for volume. He also went in round two, just a few picks after Brees Hall. Then the last guy who went in round two, it was James Cook. Dalvin Cook's brother went to the Bills. And this is very intriguing because... I think James Cook was a guy, I feel like a lot, well, after you get past these top two running backs, it's pretty wide open on the board, but James Cook was someone who really had a wide range of where he was ranked. Like, uh, clearly the Bills thought a lot of him. Clearly a lot of other people thought he might be a third, just a third or fourth round guy, but the Bills took him at the end of the second, and now they've got an interesting RB situation. It seems like the Zach Moss era is over. Devin Singletary is all right, but he's not... Like, he's not, he's more of a two-down back. He's not incredible. I feel like they're looking for James Cook and his explosiveness to maybe revitalize his backfield. And I know the Bills waste a lot of draft capital on running backs, it seems like. But James Cook will challenge for that starting role. And I feel like he's pretty close at the moment to Devin Singletary in value. So, as for rookie drafts, he's not someone you should be targeting super highly. I think he's got some upside in that Bills offense, but there's just not enough confidence for me in him as a prospect and the draft capital spent on him, which was a late second round pick, uh, for me to anoint him as some like great player right away. He's got a chance to be good, but I think probably around that one-two turn, early second kind of place where you might be looking for James Cook. Um, just because we're not really assured of his talent. Guys who go here, they don't have an incredible hit rate, and the Bills will have a challenger running back, although this is a solid spot for James Cook to go. Other than that, Rashad White for the Bucks went in the third round. He's interesting because he's a great pass catcher. He might play that role for the Buccaneers, but then again, we saw Leonard Fournette play a lot, but I mean, I don't know if they'll want to run Fournette as their only running back, maybe run kind of a committee. He won't have a ton of upside at the moment, but... If Fournette goes, I mean, he's getting up there in age. Rashad White could step in, potentially. And, uh, I mean, he's not a great runner, though, by any means. So we could just see another running back step in for him. And the Bucks haven't had a great track record at picking running backs as of late, especially with Keyshawn Vaughn and guys like that. So limited upside there at the moment. Tyreon Davis-Price went to the Niners. Just another Niners running back. Ho-hum. He could just emerge a lot like Elijah Mitchell did last year. So don't. Like, forget about him because I feel like that's what happened with a lot of people. When the 49ers took Sermon and Elijah Mitchell last year, a lot of people forgot kind of about Mitchell and then he stepped in. But Mitchell and Wilson will be there, Jeff Wilson, along with Davis Price to kind of compete for a role 
He was lower down on most people's boards. Nothing much to be concerned about, but keep an eye on him. He's a late flyer with maybe some upside. At the end of round three, we had Brian Robinson go to the Commanders. And I don't expect a ton of immediate value for him, but he is more of a bruiser. I think the kind of guy that the Commanders need. A big bruiser inside. He could get a few touchdowns. We could see a roll. He's not taking over from Antonio Gibson, but this does give a slight hit probably to Antonio Gibson's goal line work and just a slight dip in his carries in general now that the commanders have another option. So this is not a fun pick for fantasy football, but Robinson you can target somewhere maybe mid-second, later second round um, in that kind of range. I feel like there's a teardrop once you kind of hit the mid-second round. Then you really got to start taking shots on guys after the quarterbacks are gone and after the top wide receivers and RBs are gone. And Brian Robinson will probably sit right in that middle range um, around there. Damian Pierce went to the Texans. I only mention this. He's not that important. I only mention this just because he, the Texans have nobody, like except like Rex Burkhead. So he's worth a shot at, in maybe a later second round if you need somebody. Uh, it's all about whether you weigh talent or opportunity. If you liked Pierce as a guy, it's not the draft capital is not there for him really in the fourth round, but he'll have a chance to have some sort of role. And we saw Michael Carter get a decent role last year out of the fourth, although that went away quick. So, you know, fourth-round running backs usually don't work out. Carter was kind of even the exception there, and he still is getting replaced. Zamir White in the fourth to the Raiders. Uh, I don't know if this pick is that important. I think he'll probably not have that big of a role behind Josh Jacobs. And then Isaiah Spiller for the Chargers. This is the last one. I don't. I am surprised Isaiah Spiller fell this far. I think he's a good player, and so I think that bumps him up a little bit in my eyes, but he's not taking over from Austin Eckler. I think what we may see is a few carries here and there, because Eckler's not a bruising inside back who's going to lead the league in carries by any means. Isaiah Spiller is more of an inside guy. He can run the football. He's worth a later second-round pick because of that. Eckler does have an injury history, too, so we could see him step in at some point. But the fourth-round draft capital isn't incredibly promising. He just seems to be kind of a guy who... He, he seems to be somebody who's just going to take a few carries, not have a ton of upside, just um, and maybe get a few, a little bit of goal line work. But I think a lot of people were hoping for better landing spots than that for Isaiah Spiller, especially, I mean, being behind one of the best fantasy running backs in the league, not the greatest. People also expected him to be like the third running back off the board, and he was like the ninth. So surprising. Maybe that was just the fantasy community liking him more than the actual NFL teams. Okay, so now let's move on to wide receiver. Nobody's actually jumped in yet to the live episode. We could have some people jump in later. We'll see. But all their, otherwise, we'll just go through this as if it's a normal show. But, um, guys, by, by the way, if you're listening to the recording, though, be sure to follow me on ColorCast at CalvinSGF. There's no underscore there. But if you leave a follow, you can hear all my casts. I do game broadcasts sometimes, broadcasting the PGA Championship in a few weeks. I'm also a semi-regular participant on Light 'em Up, which is the like, premier debate show on here, and that's a lot of fun. And I actually did that yesterday when this is dropping, if you're hearing it live, which nobody is at the moment. It's later tonight, and it's a lot of fun. I debate sports on there. And, yeah, I mean, you should go check it out. Uh, just be stay tuned. You'll see the Twitter. I'll update you guys when I'm doing that. And I think that they also have a, like, a podcast too, so you can listen to past episodes. And that's on the account at Light 'em Up Show on Twitter. So let's move on to wide receiver after that. There are a lot of guys to talk about at wide receiver. And the first, perhaps the like consensus top receiver in this class is after the landing spot and draft capital is Drake London, who went at number eight to the Falcons. It's pretty high. But Drake London now with Kyle Pitts, they're really the only two options over there in Atlanta for Marcus Mariota. 
Now, what upside does Marcus Mariota bring? I don't know if it's that much. And I feel like Kyle Pitts may be the favored target. And I don't know if Drake London's that incredible of a receiver. But the draft capital may suggest otherwise. And he went pretty high. So he's got to be a guy you consider in the early first round. There's a tier of a few guys up there who I think could be considered. Drake London has a case for number one receiver in this class. I'll reveal if I actually have him there on my Dynasty Rookie Rankings episode. But uh, he's... Saw a good player for sure, clearly. I mean, is he being taken at number eight overall? We'll see if that upside's there. It doesn't separate all that well, so we'll find out. Garrett Wilson to the Jets at number 10. An interesting landing spot because Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are very, very similar in terms of play style. I still think Garrett Wilson's a guy you consider borderline top five, maybe six in rookie drafts. Uh, Elijah Moore limits his upside a little. He'll, he'll help out Zach Wilson for sure. But it remains to be seen if Zach Wilson can support two competent receivers. We don't know that for sure at the moment. And so Garrett Wilson is interesting. I feel like his upside might be a little bit capped. We got Easy Money Nelly here in the live cast. So Nelly, be sure to feel free to drop your thoughts on any of these rookies in the chat or request the hot seat if you'd like. Once again, this is a live podcast episode. And so this will be coming out later. It'll be coming out tomorrow for the, all the podcast listeners. And if you're in here, of course, you're hearing it live. So that's Drake London and Garrett Wilson. Um, I will move on to the next guys, the rest of these guys here in the first round. And, of course, if there are any chats and stuff, I'll go there. You have anyone on the hot seat who wants to hop on. So next up for wide receiver, it's Chris Olave for the Saints. He then the Saints traded up five spots to get him from 16 to 11. The Commanders traded back, also picked a receiver who we'll talk about in a moment. And I was surprised that the Saints traded up for Chris Olave because I thought he'd still be available at 16. And I didn't think he was the best prospect still on the board. I felt like there were two guys on the board who were still better prospects than Chris Olave. It was Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks. But Olave went first. And honestly, the fact that the Saints traded up and the fact that they have Jameis Winston, who is a guy who will air out the football, Makes me optimistic that Chris Olave could be a wide receiver too, good wide receiver too for the Saints. I feel like he might be being a little bit underrated. And this is from someone who doesn't really love him like that much. He's the consensus number eight player um, on Fantasy Pro Superflex rookie rankings, which just feels a little bit low. He is in a situation because we know Jameis Winston. He threw for 5,000 yards just a few years ago. And I know he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but he will throw the ball deep. And Olave is a good route runner. He had kind of a disappointing season last year, but he's a very, very solid player. So I feel like there's a kind of an assumed teardrop for where Chris Olave is later in the first. And you might be able to pounce on some value because talk about like immediate target share. Outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, the Saints don't really have anybody there. And if Michael Thomas becomes a huge target hog again, it might be tough for Chris Olave, but I don't think he's ever going to be that like he used to be. I think um, he will be able to carve out a role in this offense for sure. So I like Olave as a guy you can look for in the mid first. I don't know if he has incredible upside, but like some of these guys ahead of him, like Garrett Wilson, um, Kenneth Walker, I guess. I mean, Jamison Williams. I love Jamison Williams. He's hurt, though, and once he comes back, that's kind of a murky situation for the Lions. I don't know if Chris Olave is too far off from them, but he's kind of down in those consensus spots and uh, sitting at number, like, eight. So I think you can take advantage of that. And maybe it's not even that much of a teardrop as it is just personal preference in terms of him being at eight, and there's kind of a teardrop after that. But even so, I feel like Chris Olave... If you get him as the last guy in kind of that elite to good tier of rookie prospects for fantasy football, he can put up immediately good production and help your team from the start. 
And the draft capital is there. The Saints paid a third and a fourth to move up to 11 and get Chris Olave. That is pretty solid. All right, next up, Jamison Williams. I don't like this landing spot that much, to, I'll be honest, but I loved Jamison Williams as a prospect. Super speed. He had the ACL injury. I think he'll come back and be fine, but he's got picked by the Lions, the pick after Chris Olave at number 12, and he's in a murky spot because the Lions did nothing to address the quarterback position. They still have Jared Goff. They still have TJ Hawkinson to catch passes as tight end. DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. Amon Ross St. Brown. They signed DJ Chark. Now suddenly they don't really have like a legendary option at wide receiver. But and I think Jamison Williams could emerge to be a really, really good option. But there's also a lot of guys crowding this room. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to decide. I'm flip-flopping back and forth. Because I feel like in Dynasty, a lot of times... You don't want to get too caught up in the opportunity of a guy as long as he's talented because situations can change so drastically, even in a year or two. Maybe we'll just see Jamison Williams take over, become a top 12 receiver for Dynasty, and we'll all look like fools for fading him over a fourth-round wide receiver and like a guy like DJ Chark who's like, I don't even know, not, he's not big, he's not dominant. So maybe we'll just look like fools for doing that. Who knows? So I think there's a great shot to take on Jamison Williams if you like his talent. Currently the number three consensus guy on Fantasy Pros. I'd probably put him around there. Three or four for Jamison Williams, I would say. And he has got a really, really big upside, though. If the Lions can address that position as well, it will be maybe the sky's the limit for him. Because if the Lions can pick up a competent quarterback, Jamison Williams was electric at Alabama. He would have been the top receiver in this class for sure if he hadn't gotten hurt. And maybe it's possible, because he miss, he's missing the start of the season, that the Lions will address this position next year at quarterback and really hope that that's the year that Jamison Williams breaks out versus him having some sort of electric rookie season. So I feel like if you're fine with waiting a little bit, you could pay big dividends on an early first-round draft pick for Williams. Other guys, there's probably two guys left that are really interesting, then a few guys left I'll touch on briefly. Jahan Dotson went at 16 for the Commanders, who traded back. They got him... He's an interesting receiver. He's very complete, not very much size, but a surprisingly large catch radius. But I, I think his physicality has been called into question at times. His ability to break out of press coverage has been called into question. He kind of profiles as the guy who might be locked up at the line by a corner and then just not be able to do anything all game. But he is electric with the ball in his hands, and he can catch. He might have, like Daniel Jeremiah said, he has the best hands of any receiver in this class, and I think that's probably true because he's ridiculous. He catches anything that goes his way. So I think there's value there. There's value there for sure, and this wide receiver class, as you can tell, is very, very deep. Sitting in the later half of the first round is probably where he's going to be, probably in the late first round, and I like that spot for him. Because while Carson Wentz isn't that incredible of a quarterback, we know he likes to take chances downfield. And Terry McLaurin's going to get a lot of big targets, but I think we might see Jahan Dotson in a lot of one-on-one situations against an opposing team's number two corner. Like, he's, you're not seeing the top corner on an opposing team when Terry McLaurin's across from you. Terry McLaurin's a beast, and I feel like he's one of the most like feared wide receivers in the league by any cornerback, and yet doesn't actually get that respect. But Dotson is interesting because I feel like, like that situation for him just being able to face one-on-one coverage against the team's number two corner. He's really fast, can run short routes, can go deep. He will have a chance to make a big impact. And for being in the late first, like Carson Wentz can throw the ball deep, like I said, a bit inconsistent, especially against the Blitz. And so I don't know if Jahan Dotson's target share will be there as much, especially since they've 
he's the, like the two in that offense, but I think he'll have an opportunity to produce and be very efficient next to Terry McLaurin, who is, again, like kind of a coverage hog, will take away a team's best corner and oftentimes dominate. Like Terry McLaurin has rivalries throughout the league at this point, and he's just a few years in his career. But Dotson will have upside. He's the guy you could kind of that late first receiver who is sitting probably he's probably not going to be the wide receiver one for a team anytime soon, but has legitimate upside as a two. It's just a bit risky, and he didn't actually really profile as a mid first rounder, more for maybe a late first rounder, but he is very talented. There's no doubt about it. This last guy who went in the first round, the sixth receiver off the board, might be my top receiver in this class for fantasy football. And you'll find that out on the next episode if you listen to that, the pre-recorded one, Dynasty Rookie Rankings. Well, I guess this is pre-recorded as well, but the one that's like I just recorded as a podcast. Also out tomorrow, today, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can also check that out. That's my Dynasty Rookie Rankings episode. I'll reveal the top 24 there. But Traylon Burks going to the Titans is incredibly juicy. The Titans got rid of A.J. Brown. Traded for a first and a third round pick. They sent him off to the Eagles. Craziness happening there. $25 million extension. And I think A.J. Brown will have a chance to probably replicate his numbers or get close to them from what he's had over the last couple of years. Now just with Jalen Hurts. And I think Jalen Hurts could end up being very, very elevated as well. Probably talk about that news a little bit more next week. This is going to be more rookie focused on here. But if you tune into the podcast next week, I will have analysis of that for sure on episode 135. Um... So, But the point is, the Titans were left without a wide receiver for about 10 minutes. And then picked Jay, uh, Traylon Burke, 6'2", 225, out of Arkansas. Ridiculously physical and athletic. Insane after the catch. And he profiles so much like A.J. Brown. It is scary. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to guarantee anything right here, right now. And no rookie is guaranteed to do anything out of this class. And especially since Burks was the sixth receiver off the board, obviously we have to consider that. But he is much better than the sixth receiver off the board. And he has the potential to be truly dominant in the NFL. I believe it. The sky is the limit there with the target share. Derrick Henry is going to get his carries, but they don't have anybody at receiver. Burks is locked in to be the wide receiver one, more so than anybody in this class. Say what you will about Drake London, the Falcons still have Kyle Pitts, who dominates inside. Jamison Williams is in a crowded receiver room. Garrett Wilson has to compete with Elijah Moore, who's already earned Zach Wilson's trust. Traylon Burks is all alone, though, and Ryan Tannehill is going to need a receiver, and Burks alone will elevate this offense. Burks will have one of the highest target shares in the league, probably, again, highest out of any rookie wide receiver, and he could end up being genuinely a top 12 receiver this year. I feel like for Dynasty as well, like if next next offseason, I would hardly be surprised if we see Traylon Burks as a consensus top 12 Dynasty receiver. I just don't know if he's there right now, and I feel like you can get a really, really good value on him because I don't think he gets valued where he should be. He's kind of a mid-first right now. People rank like guys like Kenneth Walker, Garrett Wilson ahead of him, and I don't know if they should because Traylon Burks has a legit case to be maybe top two, maybe top one in Dynasty rookie draft because he's just that talented and he's got that kind of opportunity. I feel like he's being very underrated, maybe my favorite prospect out of this class. Other receivers, I think there's probably, actually I said two more before, and there's actually probably two more that are also really interesting, and then I'll touch on the rest really briefly. And Christian Watson for the Packers is first, and Watson is a guy who also has electric upside. Early second round pick for the Packers, the draft capital's there, and you know what else is there? The quarterback and the opportunity. Like I just said, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to. It's much like the Burke situation. Christian Watson will step in and probably be the best wide receiver on the team already. And he 
is he valued even lower than Burks at this point? Number 10 in Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings. He's behind, like, Sky Moore, too, which I don't know if he should be, given that the Chiefs actually have more weapons. I feel like the Watson is probably likely to be better than Sky Moore. And again, like, Patrick Mahomes already has Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster to throw to. I guess I don't mind that. But, like, then again, Christian Watson's got so much opportunity. I guess the problem for him is he doesn't get that benefit of playing off of an elite level receiver like Kelsey is. So maybe that brings the question, would you rather have the guy who's a two but playing off an elite one or the guy who might struggle against top corners but has the opportunity all to himself? And I think people might be choosing Sky Moore there, but Christian Watson's still very, very good in the late first round. And if things work out, he's a Division II prospect out of North Dakota State, so we don't know. He could totally bust and be nothing. That's just the problem. But if things work out, he does really have the upside to be the best wide receiver in this class as well, or at least like a top three wide receiver in this class. It's just so much risk. Do you trust Aaron Rodgers to get Christian Watson the ball consistently, or do we think he's going to go the way of Amari Rodgers did last year and just absolutely disappear? Like, people forget who Amari Rodgers even is because he just was gone in his rookie year and didn't get anything from Aaron Rodgers. So that's the question, and there's a lot of risk involved. I feel like there's a lot less risk involved with Burks, who played at a Division One school in the SEC, who probably is a more dom- who's definitely a more dominant receiver and has the opportunity, but also I feel like has more of a proven pedigree. So other guys to talk about, I'll skip ahead a few picks because I would think Wandale Robinson for the Giants is like a classic Giants. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's, that just feels so much like the Kadarius Tony pick from last year. And I don't know if that's going to work out for them. There's the kind of like with Galladay still there, Shepard there, Tony's still there for the moment. doesn't feel like a ton of opportunity there for Robinson. He feels more like a gadget honestly, than a consistent fantasy producer. Sean Mechie isn't a good enough prospect to be considered at this point, especially because he's going to the Texans, who just have nothing at this point. Like, he's good, but he'll be playing behind Brandon Cooks as at least the wide receiver, too. And if he was in a better offense, it might be better. But I feel like not only did he get reached on a little bit, he's also going into an atrocious offense and not going to do much. Tyquan Thornton might struggle to get production with the Patriots, given, again, crowded receiver room of mediocre kind of guys. I don't think Thornton's great outside of his electric speed. Um, But I think the one guy who is, two guys, I keep adding guys, two guys who are really interesting left. It's Sky Moore with the Chiefs. Like I said, he's just got all the opportunity in the world right there. And his, I don't know, I feel like there are some people who are more high on him than others. He's not an elite level projected receiver, but in Patrick Mahomes' offense, he'll have a chance. But I don't know if we want just another McCole Hardman situation, which that could end up being just in terms of a Chiefs wide receiver who gets hyped up and then doesn't end up doing anything. But Last guy that's really interesting is George Pickens, who went to the Steelers to play with Kenny Pickett. Well, I mean, he didn't choose to. He got picked to go there. But he is very, very good. He had some, I think, injury history as well, stuff on the combine. He was being faded. He dropped a lot. But I think he's more talented than a lot of the receivers who went ahead of him. He's probably more talented than Thornton, Mechie, Robinson, and Christian Watson, um, honestly. And he's big. He can make big plays. The question is, is his value there in the short term? And I don't know if it is. In year one, it's probably not. But again, that begs the question, do you go after talent or opportunity more in Dynasty? And I think the answer is talent. Because Deontay Johnson 
is running out of time in his contract as well. Maybe this signals that Deontay Johnson will be let go. The Steelers don't want to pay for a receiver. And in that case, it would be Pickens and Chase Claypool lining up for Kenny Pickett. And there's a lot of upside there. As the wide receiver three, I don't know if Pickett throws the ball enough to be consistent for George Pickens in year one, but he's got a chance to be very good as a wide receiver too and be kind of a big play machine in a way as well. So I think where he is right now at 13 in Fantasy Pro Superflex is fine. I think he's a really borderline, like first set, two, one, two turn kind of guy that you can grab. And if you can get like Christian Watson and George Pickens on the turn, I think you should be pretty happy with yourself for sure. Or someone like Sky Moore over there as well. So that's it for the wide receivers. Uh, Velis Jones Jr. actually is one last guy I wanted to mention. He went to the Bears, and the only reason I'm mentioning him is not really because he's good, just because the Bears don't have any receivers, and Justin Fields is, oh man, it's so sad. He's going to have a terrible time this year. But Darno Mooney, Byron Pringle, who might be suspended, and Velis Jones Jr., and that's it. And he'll probably start and maybe get like a few hundred yards, and that's about it. So there's some opportunity, but it's not a good dynasty pick really for him. Just if you want some immediate production, I don't even know why you would want that. I don't think he's like starting quality as a starting receiver in fantasy football. But the last guy, Alec Pierce as well, he's pretty big. He went in round two to the Colts, and that's actually a bit intriguing, along with Matt Ryan over there as well. Um, I'm trying to see. I think he was ranked at 26 in the rankings I'm looking at, but I don't think that was updated for when Alec Pierce went. And I think that may have been moved up to maybe, I think he's around a mid-round two consensus guy, actually, just because of his size, and he can run pretty fast, too. So a guy to keep an eye on. Matt Ryan's not a bad QB, and he could get the ball to him. And, you know, Matt Ryan produces fantasy value. We've seen it with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Russell Gage. He can throw to his receivers. Last guy, tight end. I'm going to only mention Trey McBride here. I don't actually think any tight end has fantasy value in this class, but maybe it's Trey McBride. Zach Ertz, though, is still there. So if Zach Ertz leaves, maybe there's minimal fantasy value. But I don't know. Like, Trey McBride, a second-round tight end, don't tend to work out for fantasy at least right away. He could get a few receptions, maybe just primarily used as a blocker, though. But really no value at the moment sitting behind a guy like Zach Ertz. All right. So that is all. That was a lot of guys. That's like 30 guys that we just went through. But thank you, everyone who's tuning in, if you're, whether you're listening to the live, whether you're listening to it as a podcast. Um, it was a lot of fun doing this. I'll probably do more live episodes like this in the future, and we'll see how that goes as the summer moves on for just doing some fantasy football analysis. We've got a long way to go till the season, but plenty of episodes to get you guys prepped for your fantasy draft. Probably shifting more into a redraft mode on the show starting about next week and we'll get back into that talk AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts I have some takes there I think Jalen Hurts could be really really good for fantasy football next year we'll see that'd be great um I actually I'm interested where he's not even ranked that high could be a screaming value at this moment but we'll find out next week you'll get to hear all those takes be sure to check out the Superflex Dynasty Ricky Rankings episode uh, I guess I, I kind of ran through the guys a lot on here, so I'll probably run through the rankings a little bit more briefly, kind of mention the same, a lot of this, or some of the same stuff I said on here, but kind of say why I have one player somewhere compared to another. I'll do more comparison um, in that episode, which I'm about to record. Yeah, both of them are in your feed, so be sure to check it out. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time, or maybe in a few seconds if you check that one out. See you next time.